0: Good evening, everybody. It's Thursday, Necro Thursday, and we're back this week with the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. How's it going, Mike?
1: It is going well. As you just heard Mr. Hill say, it is indeed Thursday, Necro Thursday. We're glad to have you with us on this horrific journey, if you will. Um yeah, things are going good. It is uh it is March. Uh, the sun is going down at 7 o'clock, Mike Hill, which is kind of interesting, right?
0: Yeah, the uh, daylight savings uh, operations going on right now.
1: It is underway, yeah, it's, even though it's still it's still kind of cold and crappy and rainy and shit here in New York, New Jersey. But uh, spring is in the air, uh, I believe. Uh got to see Mike live and in person over the weekend on Friday night when we went to see... Uh, Clan of Zymon and uh the Brooklyn Monarch, right, Mike?
0: That's right, man. It was actually a pretty uh busy weekend for shows. I know both of us went to a bunch of shows this weekend.
1: Yeah. Um Stella and I went to that show and then we then we, we pulled the double header and on Saturday we went to Jersey to see Sick of It All and Life of Agony at uh, Starland Ballroom in beautiful Sayreville, New Jersey, Michael. That's actually a hop, skip, and a jump from where I
0: live. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but I was not present to that show because I went to Philly hmm. to see uh, Rod in Christ, uh, Garia, and Uwata. Uh, and um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. We are on some show-going motherfuckers here at the Necromaniacs podcast. Um, but yeah, both shows were good. Um, the, the goth show had a very hard stop at like 10 o'clock because there was some fucking dance party afterwards which oh i it's happening so much lately i guess you know clubs are kind of doubling up on their weekend nights whatever you know money is money business is business but uh i felt like before i knew it the show was over huh mike it started so early
0: too on a friday man the first band went out hmm. at like 6 30 or something like that
1: yeah, yeah. I wanted to see then come silence. Uh, whom we actually caught some of them last fall when when they played this God Festival, but uh, we missed them entirely on Friday because they went on too fucking early.
0: You know, they were actually on second, and um, I, I saw them because I knew I had to get there early. And uh, right, you know, Fridays are kind of like these days where I you know, I'm usually done by noon, so I was able to. You know, rip, rip a uh, commute into the city real quick, and I got there. I got, I still missed most of the first band, but they were actually really good. And then, um, and then then came Silence, went on, and they were they were mm-hmm. they were awesome. And then I can't remember the name of the third band, but uh,
1: me neither. They were okay. Yeah, they
0: were okay. They were
1: they, were they fine. Weren't, they weren't great. They were but fine. then
0: uh, you know, Zymox went on, and the place was packed by then. And it was totally sold out.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot. Of, a lot of people came literally just as they hit the stage, and shit. It seemed like people came in the middle of the damn set, to be honest, which kind of uh, is unfortunate. But Fridays can be tough. Um, people, a lot of people work till five or six on a Friday, and if the show, <laughs> if the show starts at six, well, you're kind of screwed. Um, you're only going to see some of the show. But, uh, yeah, fucking Saturday, man, the, the Life of Agony, Sick of It All show, you know, I, I, Life of Agony are, are literally bigger than they've ever been in their 30-plus-year career, um, which is which is no small feat. Not a lot of bands can kind of sustain like that, huh, Mike?
0: I know, man. It's, it's cool to see them, you know, playing these big-ass shows like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was like 2,500 people there for them, and... You know sick of it all did great but like life of agony was like it was just like whoa i get it. it's it's amazing that that's that that i i shared the stage with that band in front of like 100 people back in the day when i was in confusion you know it's uh, uh pretty wild and speaking of confusion see mike i just did a little segue there yeah i see um my my prior band Uh, from the early 90s. The band was around from like 1990 to 1994. We have a discography coming out uh, on Generation Records and Days Records, but the first single is out now. It came out on March 7th. The song is called Storm the Walls. So all you necromaniacs out there, I need you, if you're Spotify listeners, to check it out. Uh, Put in Confusion, Storm the Walls, and follow that and consider it a little favor to old mikey mr hill
0: that's right man i i've been checking it out and you know i'm i'm obviously familiar with the band for many years now but uh uh, but yeah you know i can't wait for the record to come out you know
1: yeah it's gonna be cool um definitely excited about it i've actually done some press for it I'm, i'm doing another podcast for it tomorrow. I'm going to be on the This Is Hardcore podcast uh, from uh, out of Philly. Joe Hardcore does that. It's a really cool podcast. And so far, the response has been fucking really great and uh, makes me very happy.
0: Got to keep our eyes out for some shows, too, I guess,
1: man. Yes. The answer is in very big letters, maybe. So (laughs) that's the (laughs) It is a very big maybe. It is not a no. So uh, that's that's as much as you're going to get right now. It, it's, it's not a no. It's a very big maybe. So we'll see. And that's that.
0: Was there anything notable uh, movie-wise that you caught recently?
1: Um, well, I been, was really digging The Last of Us, and that has wrapped up. Uh, did you catch the final episode? I did. And, uh, I'm, oh
0: man, I'm looking forward to that second season.
1: Yes. Uh, I think anybody who, who might have been a little let down by an episode or two uh, throughout this season one was probably happy with, you know, the the blood and death feast of the final episode and uh, i think it ended really strong and i think it sets up two really nice and i mean i don't play the video game i've never played the game but apparently like the game ends like that so that's that's kind of interesting huh well the, the last two uh episodes have been pretty action packed actually mm, yes yes definitely um yeah i mean honestly if i really thought about it out of the eight episodes there to me there was only like one episode where i was like okay this is really slow and it was uh one of the ones told in flashback um but you know if, if i was giving it a, a a necromaniac score of five i mean the season gets a 4.5 honestly
0: yeah i agree with that and it's just also like an emotional roller coaster man just like the whole thing like the whole story everything is
1: just so heart-rending really no. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's quite different from the walking dead. Although look, there's similarities. I mean, come on, you, you, you know, you can't deny the similarities, but ultimately I, I think it's its own beast. And it's, you know, I think it's way more dramatic honestly. And I think it's more, I don't know. I think there's, there's, there's more going on maybe, and maybe the acting is just a little better. I mean, I don't know. I I did really enjoy those early Walking Dead seasons, but I felt like The Last of Us kind of showed me something new and different.
0: Well, I think like the early Walking Dead seasons were really well acted and well written. Hmm. You know, Michael Rooker was on board. Like I thought those OG episodes were great. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Pedro Pascal's uh, the new it guy, I guess. Like he's not that he's new, but he's really coming to his own. With uh you know, this has really improved his uh overall profile, you know.
1: Yeah, and I've been watching the other show where he has to get someone to safety called The Mandalorian. And uh I tell you, it has been quite a quite a time for Mr. Pedro Pasquale between Mandalorian and The Last of Us. Uh I'm enjoying enjoying both shows. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh but aside from that, I'm still plowing through mm-hmm. my current marvel era of conan which i i've kind of landed on i do like the story but some of the art is not what i like um the art is a little i don't know it it doesn't have that kind of professional polished feel to it uh to a lot of the stories like it looks kind of like that conan looks little boyish look going on you know what I'm i talking hate that about? Like,
0: i hate it <laughs> It's yeah,
1: like, you know, like, it yeah. doesn't look like, I don't know, it, it's a certain um, drawing style that I think is probably very modern, but to me, as a 49-year-old, I see it, and I go, yeah, this is not good at all, so, but uh, I am enjoying the actual story, which is good, and they're not really skimping on the violence or anything, um, it's definitely, you know, a Conan story, I would say, but, yeah, the artwork is like, ugh. At, at times, so that's unfortunate.
0: I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan. I uh, definitely prefer the '70s and '80s Marvel era of Conan. Yeah, mm. yeah.
1: You know, yeah, and,
0: yeah. Um, you know I just, all, all of Robert E. Howard stuff. You know, King Cole, Bramac, Warren. Uh, you know, Solomon Kane. Like all that stuff is huge for me.
1: Mm. Um. So tonight, children. But wait a minute. I'm going to backtrack, Mike. We didn't do the plugs. That's right. Uh, we did <laughs> not.
0: And uh, there's another bit of news too. I just want to put that out there. We have a brand new phone number that you can call in and leave us a voicemail. <laughs> We're trying yes, to uh, go go time. retro. Yeah. yeah, retro like uh, <laughs> radio shows where you can call in and and get your uh, say say your piece. So. If you want to leave us a voicemail, uh, you can hit us up at 908-913-0782. 908-913-0782. And that's a voicemail for Necromaniacs. And I'm not going to guarantee that we'll play your message on the show. It has to be uh, entertaining. Uh, Abuse is fine, you know? But, uh, yeah. Just have at it. Anyone wants to leave us a voicemail, tell us uh, you know, how good of a job we're doing or how we suck or all that kind of stuff. Go ahead, man.
1: Now, I gotta tell you, I think this is a great idea. And I do hope we get some phone calls. <laughs> and I have to say, I mean, we may even get some bizarre calls, maybe. And oh, the, you know what? That's yeah. okay too. The,
0: yeah, I mean, be you know, weird is fine. Absolutely. That's what I mean. As long as it's <laughs> like Something that has some entertainment value. That's like, uh, you know, or just on- honesty and entertainment value. So there you go.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you could call and say, you go sook, and then just hang up. I mean, that that's good, too. You know, I mean, that's yeah. great. Like a couple of those would
0: be <laughs> fine to play. But, you know, after like you get like 100 of those, and it's like, all right, maybe we'll, we'll cherry pick the more creative
1: ones. <clears throat> that's true. That is true. But uh, yeah, um, Necromaniacs podcast. We are part of a cabal, a a crew, right, Mike? A That's crew right. That's right. Podcast, the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Would you say? We're the podcasting
0: Illuminati. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, coming at you on Monday night, Mike. Who do we got on Monday?
0: Monday night, we got Horror Wolf six six six. Brought to you. By Brandon Legion, and his podcast is also a, po- a horror podcast, but the subject of his is interviews with uh, established directors and filmmakers, and a uh, bunch of up and comers too. So it's like gives you a wide variety of different guests, and also we all guest on each other's shows. So you never know if you're going to run into one of
1: us on uh, Horror Wolf. That is true. And uh, coming to you on Tuesday night, we have Into the Necrosphere, one of the finest metal music podcasts out there, right, Mike? I think it's the best, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Jackie Smith talking about, I would say, the the heavier end of the spectrum, your death metal, your black metal, your thrash metal, you know. Uh, but he'll, he'll talk about, you know, Metallica. He'll talk about some mainstream stuff as well, right?
0: Yeah, Metallica is uh, – <laughs> that's like a recurring subject on that show for – definitely. Yes. Yeah.
1: There's always something to talk about. I mean, really. I mean, it's kind of always something to talk about in the Metallica camp. Um, and then he has great interviews as well. Um, you know, you could discover a lot of really cool underground shit. And uh, my personal favorite is towards the end of the show, the news segment. So, uh, yes, check out Into the Necrosphere coming at you on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we have none other than Mike Hill's very own Everything Went Black podcast. Right, Mike? Yeah, that's right,
0: man. It's been uh, quite a journey with that. Uh, just recently, I was looking back to some of the older older things I did. And um, I got to tell you, it's uh, definitely a lot better now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's a lot better now. That's a good slogan. I mean, we could use that <laughs> as a slogan for necromaniacs and everything went black. It's, it's a, lot a lot better, better now. Lot better now. <laughs> yeah uh on thursday kids we have necromaniacs podcast you're listening to it right now be sure to subscribe to it if you're not already subscribed on one of the many platforms from which we are on on friday we have my flesh and blood john draper with break the apocalypse uh for some comedic and social commentary uh it's a great show Be sure to check it out on Saturday. Take a break. Go to a show. Go to go to Sayreville, New Jersey. Go to the lovely Starland Ballroom or something. Go to the Brooklyn Monarch, you know, go out and see life. Uh, But on Sunday, we have Carl Hikara's Soul Knox podcast. Mike, guess who was a guest on this
0: most recent episode? Well, I don't have Mm -hmm. to guess, Mike, because I know that uh, you were on there this
1: past week. that's right i was a guest on the soul knox podcast thank you very much mr carl uh we had a good time talking about a lot of stuff a lot of music a lot of horror um yeah check out that podcast as well and uh yeah there you have the podcasting apocalyptic horseman uh i i played around with the wording there i didn't put the words in order but uh yeah you should check it out Check them all out.
0: And on to (laughs) the show, man. So uh, for tonight, interesting movie this evening, I think. Um, We're going way back to 1972 Mm -hmm. with uh, a movie that has two titles. One title. A lot of 70s
1: movies do, yes.
0: It's uh, known as Raw Meat or Death Train. What, Death Track? Is that the other one? Uh, Death Line. Death, De- Line. Death Line. Sorry yes. about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Raw meat in the USA, yeah. uh, but in the UK, it was Death Line, directed by none other than Gary Sherman. And folks, if you've been uh, dedicated listeners, you will know that this is the third time we have covered a film by director Gary Sherman. Uh, the other two movies being Dead and Buried. And a Necro favorite, a Necro Hall of Fame movie, Vice Squad. Right, Michael?
0: Vice Squad has given me hours and hours of entertainment over the course of my lifetime, man. I love that movie. Yeah. Um,
1: if, if, if you didn't hear our Vice Squad episode, go back and find it. It was, it was a good one. Um, if you haven't seen Vice Squad, uh, strap yourself in. It is not an easy film but I do think a lot of our listeners would dig it if they have not seen it, Mike.
0: It's on the sleazier end of the spectrum. spectrum.
1: <laughs> yes. And um, I have to say, we had a good amount of people checking out the God's Lonely Man episode. Um, one person chimed in on on Instagram saying that they needed a shower after it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, wondering what, I'm wondering what the general consensus was uh, on that episode because, I mean, if you don't, you know, if you don't own the fucking DVD, or if you didn't physically, you know, go to YouTube like you, you were directed, you can't see the movie, huh?
0: I ran into someone on Saturday down in Philly, actually. Shout out mm-hmm. to Brendan, if you're listening. And uh we talked about this movie briefly.
1: Oh, nice. And what yeah. was his little take?
0: He, you know, he's on board with that whole trip of it being, like, really intense and sleazy and kind of uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> yes. And uh, shout out to Renny, uh, our friend Renny Rosmini, the, the fourth Beatle here at Necromaniacs Podcast. Um, and pretty much all all of our instincts about that ending, that kind of cruising ending, was right because uh, on the uh, on the you know like the audio on the, the DVD, like the I'm forgetting what that's called, not the uh, the directors, you know. The commentary. director talked on the, the, the commentary track, yes. On the commentary track, he says that he wasn't inspired by uh, Friedkin's Cruising, and that's one of his, his favorite movies, and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, it was definitely the Cruising-inspired ending, just like we thought. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was, that, that was a very interesting episode. And I want to say the Land of the Dead episode that you did with Jeff, Mike, was uh, was also a lot of fun. And, of course, Romero uh, is, is a Hall of Famer here at Necromaniacs. We've covered, I don't know, four or five of his films at this point, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and Sherman is, uh, you know, gaining ground on him.
1: He sure is. Um, now, it's funny. This movie, Mike has mentioned this movie, I feel like, on the podcast He's definitely mentioned it to me in person over the years as a movie I should check out. But for some reason, I never did. And honestly, I feel like this movie was always brought up when covering the two other Gary Sherman movies, obviously, huh?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that that might have been where we referenced this for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Because this is his first film. It's his first film from 1972. Um yeah. What's interesting, though, is that he's he's an American and this is this is, well, a British film. We have an American director directing a British film in the UK, shot in the UK. Um, And, you know, like a lot of uh, interesting 70s movies, um, it needed a a cooler name, I guess, when it came here. Death Line, uh, you know, two words was not was not good enough for the old distributors in the USA in the early 70s, huh?
0: Nah, nah, they needed something like more uh, blood and guts, I guess, to grab the uh, potential
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly, listeners right. Like, yeah. Raw meat, you know? It's like, here we go. Here's your raw meat. And the poster, like the raw meat poster is, I'm going to say, a bit misleading, Mike. It's a little misleading. A little. Yeah, a little bit. It's yeah, a little bit. Um, it's a cool poster, though. It is a very cool poster. But a, a lot of 70s movie posters are a little misleading. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Um, of note here, folks, uh, another reason to really kind of check this movie out is that it's it's got Halloween's own Donald Pleasance in it and an appearance from the legend himself, Christopher Lee, right, Mike?
0: Yeah, and apparently Christopher Lee wanted to work with Pleasance. Mm -hmm. And and ironically, uh, they they were... Kind of in the same scene, but they were not actually working together.
1: Yeah. I mean <laughs> All right. Cat out of the bag. Christopher Lee's scene in this movie is about three seconds long. Uh it, it's a minute. It's just it's really, really short. Um he plays Stratton Villiers MI five, which I think that whole MI thing is is uh is UK police jargon, I would say. Yeah, he's some uh, kind
0: of like investigator. And Pleasance is yeah. like, a, you know, like a down and dirty, like uh, you know, cop basically.
1: You know, right, right. Um, yeah, it was. A, it, it says it was a co-production between the United Kingdom and the United States, but uh, it was filmed entirely in London. Um, had its premiere in uh, on November seventeenth, nineteen seventy-two, in the UK, but was not seen in America until a whole year later. October third, nineteen seventy-three. That's interesting,
0: huh? Yeah, yeah, that's
1: happening right now.
0: Actually, there's um a film called Any en- Any's Maine, which um it's like another one of these like abstract uh, Cornish folk car movies. That's mm-hmm. uh, it's already it's already been released in England, and it's coming out later this year at some point here in the states. Nice.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the the rough plot here is uh, two university students find themselves at the center of an investigation involving a man who goes missing on the London Underground. Uh, yeah, I mean, the good crux of this movie is filmed on uh, the old London subway, you know? The I believe, tube. I believe they, they call say. it the tube, yes. On the tube, Mike. Yeah. Yes. Um, And like I said, we've got Donald Pleasance in this movie as Inspector Calhoun. Uh run down the cast a little more we have norman rossington as detective sergeant rogers david Ladd uh as the american chap alex campbell sharon gurney as patricia wilson uh hugh armstrong as the cannibal also credited as the man and june turner as the dying cannibal aka the woman and we've got uh christopher lee as uh, stratton villiers and my five um, Mike, this movie uh, for a little bit reminds me of uh, Argento's Bird with Crystal Plumage for some reason. Like mainly because of the whole American boyfriend living in the foreign city with the foreign girlfriend thing going on.
0: Yeah, That's that that mean. definitely there's like an Italian like a gialli kind of thing going on with this guy, and he's from New York too. He makes a point yeah, out of saying he's was, from New York.
1: Like now that was like sixty nine and i'm even wondering if like gary sherman actually i mean who knows i i I feel like a lot of of american directors did not see some of these you know important italian films until later on like you know but maybe he did see it because it did have a, a u.s theatrical run bird with crystal plumage but the whole beginning and even in their apartment like it almost like looks like it's like this little apartment and it's got like you know it, it totally reminds me of Argento's bird, Mike. I and even
0: like, oh, wow. Sharon Gurney, though she's um you know a Brit, clearly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She has like that 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 look that would be like in an Argento film. You know what I mean? Yes. She looks like a girl
1: in in any in kind of like in any number of seventies uh Jowl films. Yes. Yeah. She does. Interesting. Very interesting.
0: One of the things I thought was really funny is that you know Pleasant plays uh you know Inspector Calhoun, who's like a uh, working class guy. You know he's um you know kind of this like city street cop. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, when he goes into his office in one of the early scenes, and he kind of disparages his assistant for giving him tea with with a tea bag.
1: Yes. So, There's like that it's like got that weird tea bag thing going on. It happened several times throughout the movie. He has yeah. to get the tea bag of the fucking tea. So I, I immediately
0: messaged my friend Sophie who's British and I was like, "What's up with the, you know, tea in England? You got I thought you guys used tea bags, you know, or do you use, use those tea balls or whatever?" Mm-hmm. And she confirmed with me that by and large people use the tea bag in England so i don't know this guy was like this uh had this elitist maybe that was like his quirk you know
1: what i mean i think it was that once the once the the tea bag has 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 served its purpose it has to immediately be out of the cup is that kind of what's going on
0: i think so or just even the fact that she used a tea bag was uh unsavory to him it seems like no
1: uh-huh. i don't know i see
0: Anyone out there who's uh British want to comment on that please uh feel free. Use use our uh use our call line if you want. Yeah, call
1: use the hotline. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean while we're not going to go beat by beat, uh we, we it's important to to point out in the beginning of the film there's this man who uh you know, kind of like well well-to-doish man, right? Who goes missing uh under the you know subway cavernous caves of london but, but before he goes missing he kind of like he approaches a girl who he thinks is like a prostitute right
0: actually even before that the the intro the credit sequence in this movie is
1: fucking long man did you yeah, notice that oh my god it's really long <laughs> and the music is it's it's kind of very loud yeah. like yeah it's and mixed, i noticed real that, loud. like it almost doesn't even seem like it fits nineteen seventy-two. I mean, it's very—it's kind of very seventies in a way, but it almost feels like—it's like, what is this music? It's weird. Um, it, it, it's it, the movie itself. Like, okay, I'm a fan of that band, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. Right. This movie is is definitely a movie that those guys like. I have a funny feeling. Oh yeah. There's something about this movie that's, I think, very unmistakably. 70s london you know and that beginning what gave me like uncle acid and the Deadbeats vibes
0: shout out to uh john charn rice drummer of uncle acid cheers
1: oh ah, okay but, uh, yeah
0: i could see that man for sure and and uh so this super long title sequence with this like cranked music <clears> and <throat> uh real groovy though the music's yeah, good yeah very groovy it kind of goes through this weird. like london mm-hmm. underbelly uh you know kind of scene like there's a lot of like sleazy shit in the beginning you know like like strip clubs and you know
1: porn yeah. stuff you know what i mean but it's almost like they only had so much money like they didn't even they kind of didn't show a lot of that like right it was very the movie is very confined to like to, to just a few places and i felt like they they didn't really show much of London. like. Did you think so?
0: No, they just showed the inside of like some adult bookstores and some, you know, yeah. like posters of like scantily clad women and that kind of thing.
1: Right. <laughs> I mean, the majority of the film is, you know, under the train, so to speak. And in a police station or in the apartment of the two main characters, like that's the movie. Yeah. So like, you know,
0: so Calhoun a uh, Calhoun, uh Manfred, James Manfred. He's down in this in the tube, and there's this poor lady there with a raincoat that he just assumes is a prostitute. Yeah, I don't think she was. <laughs> <laughs> just like the sketchiest part of the movie is you just you see him say something to her, but it's not audible. And mm. and she's like offended by it, you know what I mean? Right.
1: Like, like what what a <laughs> cad this guy is. Yeah, he was a cad. And then, you know, a few minutes moments later he's like getting accosted by uh the uh, we'll call him, you know, the cannibal, you know, the man. And uh kind of pulled into the lair. Yeah, that, that when they reveal that lair, that was a really sick scene. Dude, that for
0: 1972, right? Like we were mm. we were talking about this a little bit how 68 you had Night of the Living Dead and then this movie came out a few years later, it's on par with the, the disturbing factor. Like, if it was 1972, and I saw this movie, there would be some, like, really shocking, bleak imagery in this movie.
1: Mm. Yeah, I felt the same. I mean, by... Seven, I mean, this movie might have been filmed throughout 72, or maybe even 71, who knows? It's kind of before... A lot of the really you know over the top shit. like really like i mean neither living dead has happened and this is kind of almost like before last house on the left or like right at the same the same yeah. time or or and like even tech texas chainsaw massacre was what yeah seven, it's, a b- it's a little before Texas, right it's before yeah. it, you know um so yeah i mean props to gary sherman for kind of like being a little bit ahead of the curve with, with the imagery and the vibes, right? And also just um, in addition to all
0: that, even though Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of Living Dead, those are, you know, great movies, Last House on the Left, this movie in a lot of ways has a higher caliber of acting going on in it too, you
1: know? It does. Yeah. Uh, like Donald Pleasance has 80 million movies under his belt already by 72. And he's, a, he, I mean, he's a great actor. He's a great character actor. And he's, he's, you know, pretty serious guy. Um, And the guy who plays uh Detective Sergeant Rogers, Norman Rossington, he's also quite good, honestly. Uh, What did you think of David Ladd, the American Alex Campbell? I thought he was great, actually, just because
0: he had like that. Like whenever you see a movie in the '70s with like a a sort of lefty college student who's from New York, mm-hmm. he might have like been that. one of these like <laughs> like eat like, like village you know guys
1: you know like yeah yeah that's kind of him.
0: He kind of yeah. nailed it. I thought you know he had the long hair, like his voice, like everything. You know, like even when he comments when they find the uh, the body, you know, and, and like mm. his, his girlfriend thought. um, this dude was like some kind of uh, you know vagrant or whatever, and she was like surprised, and he was like, Yeah, in New York, we'd step over guys like this, you know." And I was like,
1: "Yeah, that's about right, you know." <laughs> now I had, to, I had to ask about him in particular, because as a bit of a, an aside, Roger Ebert reviewed this movie right back in then, and and gave it a favorable review. A good, it says a good debut. Undermined by several vast improbabilities in the script and the painfully inept performance of one of its leads, David Ladd. He didn't like David Ladd, really? Lag. I, d- I <laughs> yes. didn't. I, man, I I just do. I think he I think he was at the very least he did an
0: adequate job acting. But I thought he was good, convincing.
1: Yeah, me too. I thought that that was interesting. I mean, you never know. Like uh, Ebert has these little curveballs in his reviews sometimes. You know, kind of funny. And he's in but, a lot uh, of the movie. Like, he's
0: like, kind of carries his side of the fence in this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And it is interesting. Like, his role was like a staple of the early, late 60s, early 70s. There was always this American guy who, you know, again, usually from New York, no other state, usually. <laughs> uh, a New Yorker that's in either Rome or in England or wherever that you know kind of this young hip college guy dealing with what the hell's going on in the movie
0: <laughs> and there's a right away there's a there's a clash between uh Calhoun and uh, and Alex Campbell because Calhoun's this like, very conservative you know very working class like salt of the earth like street cop you know and he doesn't like he doesn't like Alex he doesn't like the cut of his jib at all you know what I mean? When he rolls up to his uh, to to give his statement, he immediately sizes him up.
1: You know, he's discrediting well, him he, somewhat. He, he actually thinks that instead of the couple just finding uh, the, the man who was injured, the, the man who you know the cad, so to speak, they think that they that he robbed them. Yeah, exactly. He thinks that they robbed him. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: You know that's uh, a that, that cop mind. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like let, let me try to wrap this up as po- as fast as possible. I'm gonna try to pin the crime on the number one
1: witness I have. You know, yeah, these young filthy hippies. You know, they probably did it. <laughs> um, meanwhile, they, they they literally wanted to help more than than the, the cop that they went to initially. Like, it's funny. Like they're like, you know, the woman says to him, but you know that we you know we we care here. This isn't New York. Nobody fucking cares. <laughs> Now like, you get the impression
0: died. too that Manfred is kind of like a part of the elite. I would say, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like someone who right. uh, would probably be able to get a, get away with a lot within the city,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and that's why uh, Christopher Lee's character is, is is involved in this investigation.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, there's that that great reveal when. We get to see like the monsters underground lair the cannibals underground lair and we basically learn that back in the day in the in the 1890s um you know these people who worked the caves i guess who helped make the, the railroads so to speak right the tube yeah. uh they they resort they, they kind of got like stuck down there and they resorted to cannibalism i mean it's a little far-fetched you know? yeah but that, I mean, how many
0: times have you heard that story in in know you know that that's like a well-used <laughs> trope in horror fiction you know
1: right um they're, they're like a group of descendants who survived at 1892 cave-in down there and these are the last surviving members. We have, the, you know, the main guy doing, you know, doing the killing, uh, actor Hugh Armstrong. And, and we see that he has a a, a a cannibal woman down there with him, played by actress June Turner. And uh, she, she is pregnant and she dies, which sends him into a, a fit of rage. Uh, you know, I mean, not that he's already not killing and eating people who come across <laughs> his way, but uh, he, he kills three maintenance workers in in, uh, in a very interesting scene huh mike
0: yeah yeah it's it's brutal man and he gets smacked mm. in the head and with like a broom handle or whatever and like <laughs> it's just the whole thing it's it is very bleak feeling you know and there's like this violent just like gr- grimy like feel to the whole thing with the cannibals you know yes i agree i agree <laughs> In a way, you almost have some pathos for him, too. You know, is you, you look at him as this, like, unfortunate, you know, this this person that's, you know, uh, re- resigned to this life of living in the tunnels. Mm. And he's, like, yeah, a, a I mean, descendant you, you of the original empathy. people, right? So he's, you know, probably inbred and all
1: weird and mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, you do feel empathy, uh, you know, it's... To a degree, um, is eating people, <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, but again, I think the movie has like this cool, kind of dark, early 70s British atmosphere that I guess I, I'm kind of a sucker for. Well, me too. It,
0: it's, it's like a you can see where there's like a hammer influence,
1: there's mm-hmm. an Italian giallo,
0: bit. giallo influence. Mm-hmm. And then it's like some new shit, like the violence and the darkness of it, you know? No, that's a new thing for that period of time, is just how
1: dark this movie is. I agree. Like, as I was saying before, I I think it was a little bit ahead of its time. And um, what's interesting is that the Hugh Armstrong cannibal role was going to be played by Marlon Brando. Yes. Uh, but he backed out because it was around the time when his son Christian uh, became ill with pneumonia. Can you I, um, can you imagine if Marlon Brando was in this movie? I mean, I, I, I guess honest. it was... I, I can't. Hated, no. no, I can't either. Um, it would have been elevated to quite a different uh, you know level of film. And uh, we're talking about the brief Christopher Lee moment. You know, he did the movie for scale. He just wanted to to, to work with Donald Pleasance. But despite that, they don't even share much screen time together uh, due to the height difference. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it says director Gary Sherman kept them in separate shots until Lee sits down at the end of his scene, so that not, he, he would not have any trouble fitting the two actors in the same frame. That's some that's some 70s shit, huh? Yeah. How bad? How much of a badass is Christopher Lee? oh he's great yeah. yeah
0: you know he he's like uh you know how nowadays all the like real men are these british guys like in pretty much in yeah australian yeah uh, mm-hmm. he, he was like the first of those guys who can who can hang with like a james Conn or something you know like but different you know he was like this yeah physical... he was kind
1: of like um he was the classy horror guy like he was the horror guy that kind of elevated the movie i mean Uh, along with, you know, look, Vincent Price and, uh, you know, a few, a small handful uh, of actors back in the day that if you saw they were in the movie, you you knew it might have been a better movie just because they were in it, you know?
0: Yeah, and also, just Christopher Lee is like this... Tall, physical guy. Like he has like this, uh this presence too. You know, which is great. You know, I, I'm a fan. I love all of his Hammer horror films. Of course, he was incredible in Wicker Man. You know, all that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know what I've never seen, and he did several of them, his Fu Manchu films, which I've heard are actually pretty good. Yeah, I've seen. seen it. I've them. seen those. Like when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I, I, I think Blue Underground put a bunch of them out. Uh, a, a while ago, and I, I believe you can still check them out. There might have even been a box set of those movies, if oh, I'm not mistaken.
0: Something to look out for.
1: Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, the, you know, if you're looking for a, a lot of screen time with the two actors, well, you're not going to find it here. But he, it, it's cool that Lee is is in the movie briefly, nonetheless. Um, and you know, we were talking about how you know it's it's kind of hard style for like '72. And sure enough, um, there were edits to avoid an X rating back then. I mean, to me, nothing in this movie warrants an X rating, but I'm sure back then they might have been like, you know, this this is this is a bit much here, you know. Uh
0: no doubt. I think that in 1972, there was quite a bit in here. I think there's even a breast in this movie, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not again. to me last house and texas are way more you know fucked up than this movie uh this movie i think the fucked up this is a bit more subtle you know
0: but last house did have an x rating at one point though didn't it Yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah
1: um you know at one point there's there's like four versions of that movie due to cuts you know it's pretty pretty crazy story um But yeah uh the movie premiered in london november 17th as a double bill with a movie called the triple echo uh then makes its way to the us under the title raw meat on october 3rd 1973. uh it was edited in to, to get to america to avoid the x rating uh the distributor was of course american international pictures um in la played uh alongside the comedy horror film cannibal girls which i guess was uh, an interesting pairing you know using the title raw meat and that poster but i don't know i think if if i saw the movie back then i would be like no this is quite a different movie than what's being advertised here
0: yeah a little uh you know exploitative i would say
1: yes oh yeah yeah um For a while you know you couldn't really find this movie on dvd until the early 2000s it came out on an mgm dvd uh then in 2011 uh it was re-released uh as a six film set on mgm uh with movies like Pumpkinhead, dolls scarecrows and sometimes they come back it makes no sense to pair that with these movies um and, and and invasion of the body snatchers was also paired on that combo odd number of movies there uh but it was not of course until june of 2017 when blue underground released it as a collector's edition blu-ray dvd combo pack um i would like to check it out i, I kind of would like to see some more behind the scenes shit of this movie mike
0: 100%
1: me too you know uh i have a funny feeling the the blue underground version probably has some cool interviews at the very least with uh Director and you know Gary Sherman ha- has had his other shit, you know. Dead and buried came out on Blue Underground, so I bet you it's a nice, nice little package there. As a matter of fact, I think uh, I'm
0: going to look for that. The, yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's on Shutter right now. So you guys, if you, oh okay, yeah, if you want the screaming, the screaming, yeah, screaming, streaming version of this, you can stream it on sh- <laughs> Shutter right now. Yeah the streaming version.
1: Oh, very very horrific of you, Mike, for the yeah. horror podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, this is I don't know. I feel like a, a lot of our listeners um would enjoy this. I don't know if they'd be over the moon for it, some of them. Um I I I myself enjoy the movie. I don't know if it's a movie I would watch over and over again. Though. What about you? well it's just bleak
0: and depressing sort of <laughs> but mm. i I've, i have watched this movie several times so i, I think mm-hmm. um it for me at least and also the possibility of having good extras a blu-ray purchase maybe in order
1: mm-hmm. yeah 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 um so yeah mike on our scale of one to five what would you give deathline aka raw meat personally i give it a 4 out of 5 okay yeah i could see that i give it a, a 3.5 with a bullet uh i would say see this film i enjoyed this film um i just i don't know if i wasn't like over the moon with this film it was cool you know um definitely worth seeing worth worth your the 90 whatever minutes of your time 87 um, minutes 87. Yeah, it's kind of a short movie, actually. Yeah. But, but, you know. Um, and, you know, again, I could see why, like, Blue Underground put it out. And I, I could see how it's, in a way, kind of an important British horror film,
0: you know? Undoubtedly, I'd list this as a British film, uh important British horror film, for a number of reasons. Number one, just the extremity of it, you know, how brutal mm-hmm. and dark it is. And also. Mm-hmm the acting level is very high. It's got these like really legit actors in it. And it came out before the era of the video nasties, which started technically in
1: 1982. Yeah, yeah. It's again like not only it like I said it, it it's pre-video nasty, but to me I almost feel like it's it's pre the real horror explosion in America, which comes just Right after it, I think, you know? Yeah, it, um, it's on the leading
0: edge of that,
1: you know? It's on the cusp. Yes, yeah, it's definitely. It definitely on the cusp. You know, so um, for,
0: for that reason alone, it's definitely worth, uh, you know, for the serious horror fan,
1: it's definitely worth checking out. No, totally, totally, totally. But uh, it's interesting. We, you know, we've been doing some more older fare in the last weeks, which is fine. Um, You know, we've we've covered Skinnamarank and and we've covered the menu this year and uh, the pale eye and we squeezed in bones and all like, you know, we're trying to get we got those those late to the game kind of 2022 films Um, for 2023, though, as as we're into March. Is there anything that's like you're really excited about that you've heard about or that it's kind of caught your eye that something that we may check out? Well, I'll tell you what I didn't like. Uh,
0: <laughs> I didn't like The Outwaters. That was number one. Um, uh-huh, yes. But and that's a new film. Uh, re- I, I particularly feel uh, passionate about it because um, it looked like something I would really enjoy, and I was completely fooled into seeing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what I am looking forward to is uh, Ennis, Maine, which I talked about a little bit earlier, where it's like uh, one of these Cornish uh, horror, British folk horror kind of things. Supposedly mm-hmm. has like this very um, kind of abstract storytelling quality to it. It's uh, very meditative. And there's parts of, you know, it's. Uh, I have a feeling it's not going to be a movie that's for everyone, but it has my name written all over it. People have likened it to Seder, which is was like one of my favorite movies of the year with the year it came out. Yeah, Seder, great, man. That was a great movie. So that that's kind of uh just in the discussions I've had with people who've seen it, um, over in Europe, that's what they've said. So I'm like, all right, this this is definitely the kind of thing I
1: would be into. So that's coming out soon in the States. Awesome. Yeah. I I definitely wanna see that as well. Uh, I keep hearing good things about Scream, Mike. You're not the only—I've heard that from so many people, man. And maybe I got to check it out. Yeah, I. It, well, I think I—I'm gonna check it out, and I'm gonna check out the prior one, which I also heard was pretty good. Yeah, the one from a year or so ago.
0: I should—I should stop uh, sleeping on those. I think.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um it's funny like uh i believe i don't know if it was my brother john i think it was john he said the whole movie is filmed in new york but it doesn't look like it's filmed in new york he said it he, he he's like he's wondering what part of new york it was filmed in because he said he, it didn't seem recognizable and he goes maybe that was on purpose to be not recognizable new york i'm like hmm that's interesting so that that piqued my interest you know huh. quite a bit I'm like okay yeah there's some uh
0: there's some subway scenes you know i know that right the trailer yeah
1: yeah I'm, i'm wondering Hmm, curious now but um who knows i mean yeah the year is still quite new and you know i i think i sometimes i get like these little brain farts when i'm in the moment doing the show as to oh what horror movies am i looking forward to in the next nine months like i just i don't have a fucking answer
0: you know did uh you? I know Jeff saw Megan. Have you seen
1: it? Yes, I did see Megan, and it was good. Okay, um, it was it was not it wasn't terrible. It was good. It was a definite three to three point five movie. Like you know, three definitely like a solid three movie for me. It, it was interesting. Well, it's out um, there now, right? It's out there on the screen. yeah, uh, yeah. I okay. believe, I think I saw it on Peacock. Um, on the cock, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think you should check it out. If you, if you have the time again, you have the the 90 minutes, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. Um, and it's like people compare it, you know, is it as good as child's play? I, I think child's play is okay. Like I'm not a big child's play franchise person, to be honest, um, I think that first movie is cool and uh, I mean I, I I just I don't know. I always thought it was a little silly. Um but it's, you know, Ma- Megan uh, Megan gets down, man. She she does uh, does some killings. So it's 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 pretty fun. I'll check it
0: out. Maybe maybe uh that that warrants uh, some kind of episode about it
1: maybe. Yeah, the ending is odd. The ending just kind of it, it's one of those it just Ends ends like I almost feel like they couldn't come up with a good ending, and then they made the this particular ending the ending. Uh, it's, a, it's a James Wan movie, right? Is it James Wan? Let's see. Um, I want to make sure. Twenty twenty two film directed by no Gerard Johnstone.
0: Oh, okay, I was way off then. Oh. Yeah. Also, there's um, the
1: new uh, Evil Dead which is coming out. Yes. I do want to see that. I know, you know, the trailer is a little slick for some people. Uh, I think it looks interesting. Um, I think it had some interesting scares in it, the trailer. Uh, I'm definitely going to see it. Um, Oh, you know, it's funny. Like 2022, early 23 is the, the era of the, this movie cost nothing, but made, tons of dough the budget on megan was 12 million and it has made 174 million dollars <laughs> wow damn yeah okay so it, i guess if, stu- if studios can figure out you know how how to make something decent on on the cheap and it turns out to be a huge hit then hey man uh, that's fucking great oh james Wan uh is part uh, of the movie he was a producer and uh the story is by him. So oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I just saw uh
0: Gretel and Hansel recently uh-huh. which um surprisingly I enjoyed. Now is that what is that on? Um that might be on Shudder as well. Shudder? Okay, yeah.
1: I want to check that out.
0: Yeah, Brandon recommended this a while back and i you know it's you can only watch so much mike you know what i mean
1: and no i know i know there's only so much time but i you i know? got
0: around to it on main, mainly due to his recommendation and i got to say man it's um it was a lot better i i enjoyed it i thought it was good i i actually really liked it it there was some of it reminded me of almost imagery wise like a jeroryarsk film like there's a lot of this like imagery in there that reminds me of like uh like holy mountain or something like that you know mm. and okay. there's a uh, very deep like folk horror kind of stuff like pagan kind of shit in there too which is cool i would definitely check that out
1: you know
0: it looks great you know and and uh there there are definitely some good moments in it
1: awesome all right mr hill Jeff didn't that, like it. Uh, I, te- I texted that, him about it. <laughs> Jeff didn't like it. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Well, you know that uh, that happens from time to time. Sometimes he doesn't like a movie. Sometimes, yeah. You know? This is true. I'm being uh, I'm being facetious. Um, it, you know what? I that's the that's the Jeff I like the best when he doesn't like a movie. I, I, you know, that's when it gets more interesting. He definitely keeps it interesting, that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. All right, kids. That wraps up another episode of Necromania X podcast. Um, quick note if you're an Apple listener, why don't you leave us a nice little review, you know? Uh if you are not already following us, please go ahead and hit the follow button on Spotify or Apple or Podbean. And uh, we appreciate the support, right, Mike? We
0: certainly do, man. And definitely uh, check us out on Instagram and Facebook and all mm-hmm. that kind of kind of jazz, you know. Exactly. Yes. And we will see you next time. All right, guys. Take care. Take care.